there are a lot of people in the world that deserve help. But will anybody help? Will anybody stop and pick them up, serve their need? Are there people filled with enough compassion, with enough mercy to interrupt their life when they see a need? When they see a chance to make a positive difference? The parable of the Good Samaritan reminds us that mercy never sees a need and walks by. But it stops. It helps. Are there people in this world? Are there people in this room? In this congregation? People of character enough to do the right thing at the right time. I'm going to read a passage of scripture for you today from Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 8 says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're reminded today that Serving others is a gateway to sharing the love and the grace and the message of Jesus. We're reminded of Mother Teresa's little sentence that is etched in our hearts and in our minds when she said, I'm a little pencil in the writing hand of God who's sending his love letter to the world. And we think of these three girls, Mallory, Liz, and Sarah. And we think of Mallory and Liz and see them as the little pencil in the hand of God who is sending a love letter to the world. Albert Schweitzer said, one thing I know, the only ones among you who will really be happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. Those who have sought and found how to serve. I was going through some notes this week. You'd be surprised at the notes I have. Uh, this one reminded me. On, uh, it, I don't know if it was Saturday at worship or Sunday at worship on September either 27th or 28th, 2013. Linda and I listened as Pastor Cal Reichner, none of you know him probably, uh, gave a sermon titled, Taking the Lid Off Your Serving. He suggested that each of us have to deal with a sin issue. He called that sin issue the me first, all about me, consumerism mentality. The me first, all about me, consumerism mentality. Here was Cal's thesis that day as he spoke. He said, God wants to change us from being a consumer to a contributor. He quoted the words of Jesus from Mark chapter 10, verse 43. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. So I was studying that passage from Ephesians. A two-word question came to my mind. 
It's one I thought I had an answer for really quickly, and I did, but it was also a, a reminder to think through it more deeply. But the question was this, why serve? Why serve? Why is it that we uh, should interrupt our lives to take care of the needs of someone else when we've got our own things to do? We've got our own agenda, our own opportunities. And yet, uh, the call of God has always been to be willing to be interrupted. To never walk by when we see a need. Why do we serve? Apostle Paul, in writing this passage to the Ephesian church reminds us that we're created for good works. That's why we serve. We're created for good works. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I thought it interesting. Maybe you do too. You think about these three verses all together. The first two are talking about how it is we come into right relationship with God and and making a strong point that our relationship with God is not about anything that we can do. There's no amount of doing that will qualify us to find God's forgiveness and to be with him for eternity in heaven. There's no amount of doing that can help us to deserve the blessings of this life that God gives us because of his grace. And and Paul brought that theme home strongly. The reminder to all of us is if we're counting on the fact that we come to church and we put our tithe check in, we sing songs and we pray that because we've done those things, God should save us. The Apostle Paul reminds us that that is just as about as opposite from God's way of thinking as you can be. Because there's nothing that you and I can do to cause us to be saved. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's not ours to just say, okay, I'm, I'm good. I've done enough that I've made myself good. I can't do that. And Paul brings that home in verses 8 and 9. And then I, I think it's a twist of irony that immediately in verse 10 he says, but you're God's handiwork. You're prepared by God for good works that he wants you to do. So if we aren't saved by good works, why is that even put together? Why are those two mashed in the same paragraph? I think it's this. We aren't saved by our good works. But we are created for good works. We were born with a purpose. God had in mind the things that he would lay upon us and our hearts, our compassion, our mercy to be able to accomplish and to do in life. And Paul reminds us that while we're not saved by the works and the things that we can do of our own hand and our own power, we're totally at the mercy of God. That because we have that relationship with him, because we've been saved by him, there are good things that he has prepared for us to do that we can pick up and carry on and make a difference. We're born with a purpose. You are not an accident of conception. I think about the dilemma our country has put itself in with abortion laws. 
And I'm not here to talk about politics. <laughs> Trust me, we're all fed up with politics. But I'm here to talk about this dilemma that we have, that we, we understand that we're all born with a purpose. And yet I think about every child that's aborted, how that delays God's purposes for good in this world. Because humans have made a decision to interrupt, interrupt the plan of God. You're made with a purpose. You're created for good works. Things that God has in mind for you to do. A number of us in this room are either approaching soon or have already passed the age of retirement from work. Don't make the error of thinking that means there's retirement from the church. Don't make the error of thinking that that's the end of the good works that God has created you to do. You've spent your 40 years working hard, and now you're going to sit back and relax and just be the recipient of what God has for us. Oh, no. That's not his plan. Not at all. As long as we breathe, as long as we have life, God had in mind before we were ever created the good things that we should be about. And he brings them to us as his plan and his opportunity for us to serve the world around us. The Apostle Peter talked about it in uh, his little letter, chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 of First Peter says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks... They should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You're created for good works in part because those good things that you and I accomplish through the grace and mercy of God being shared through our life bring praise and glory to God. Are created for good works. That's why we serve. We also serve because as we serve, we help make the world a better place. Two writers penned these words. Christianity is not just about helping you become a better person. Christ came into your life so that you could also make the world a better place. I like that. Christ came into your life because he created you with a purpose, with plans for good works, so that you could be a part of helping the world be a better place. I think the church should take note of our influence in the world these days. Uh, a lot of what we talk about and what we're understanding and, and finding is that there is concern about the diminishing influence of Christianity in our culture. That may be true in some ways, but in other ways it's, it's not true at all. And I think this value of service is one place where we see that. Even though we feel we're losing influence, the value of service that Jesus held in such high regard is being spread through society. 
Everywhere you look, people are talking about serving and are actually entering in and serving. It's an educational requirement. You have to do so much service before you can graduate. It's a requirement to gain citizenship. It's a substitute for a criminal punishment sometimes. It's a requirement to be employed at certain companies that you have to provide so many hours of community service. And while none of that is given in the context of faith and Christianity, when we understand what Christianity is all about, when we really catch a glimpse of the message of Jesus, we know that that ideal of serving is straight from the heart of Jesus. It was God's ideal before it was society's idea. And that influence is being made known. And people all around us are working hard to help make the world a better place. I don't have a particular scripture verse for this one. It's just a generalization of understanding how God is working and moving among us. But I am reminded of Jesus and the emphasis he made so many times in his life about the value of serving. He lived it out for his disciples. And it's recorded for us. Who doesn't want to help make the world a better place? Whether it's two girls on a softball team helping another girl accomplish what she couldn't do on her own because of an injury. Or whether it's seeing the neighbor who can't mow their yard and you do it for them. Or whether it's uh, sitting at the hospital to greet people as they come in and help them find where they need to be. Whether it's reading to students in an elementary school classroom. However you serve, wherever you go, you have the opportunity to touch people. And it's at the heart of Jesus to do so. And as you serve, you make the world a better place. We grow spiritually by serving. One of my life verses, I have three or four. Uh, one of them is Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. Here it is in a, a different translation than I haven't memorized, so I'll read it for you. It says, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That's the goal of the church. The goal of the church is to present everyone fully mature in Christ. If you think I have an agenda as your pastor, you're right, I do. And it's found right there in that verse. I want to help you find full maturity in Christ. Probably getting close to 10 years ago now, Willow Creek Church in Chicago did a study of what it was that helped people to really grow up in Christ. I've talked about this study before, but it's interesting to go back and look at. As they did the study, they made some interesting discoveries. Uh, One that, if you really stopped and thought about it, you would probably figure out on your own, but we just hadn't thought about it quite this way. But coming to Christ, to being a a disciple, a full disciple of Jesus, begins all the way back when we're a non-believer. And the things that move a non-believer to a beginner in the things of faith are are simple things like coming to believe the truth of the Trinity, that God exists 
in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, It's beginning to develop the discipline of studying the Bible and understanding spiritual gifts and uh, our beliefs about, or, or the Bible's beliefs about how we as humans relate to God and what the church is all about. Those, those are the beginning points. But Christian growth for most of us happens in movements. And we move from non-believer to beginner to believer to follower to disciple in the language of, of Willow. Uh, other groups use different names for that. But each of those movements requires different things. But when you get down to movement four, when you you move from deciding I'm going to be a follower of Jesus to really becoming a fully devoted disciple of Jesus, there are some things that get added at that point that launch your growth as a disciple. Two of them are these, these phrases, giving away my life and giving away my faith. If you reach a point where you feel like your spiritual growth has stagnated, then I would encourage you to think about those two things. How are you giving away your life? In other words, how are you serving? How are you touching people with the love and the grace of Christ? When Linda and I listened to Pastor Reichner 13 years ago now, uh, one of his big points was that it, we, have, we are stewards of many things. And it goes far beyond money. It goes far beyond our, our spiritual gifts. It's about touching people with the love of Jesus. And we're going to be held responsible for how we have touched people with the love of Christ. How are you giving away your life? A lot of our serving doesn't even come necessarily in the context of the church but it's still done because of the love and the grace of Christ in us. And when we give away our life to serve others, to touch others, it opens the door for the second thing that you and I need to really to continue to grow in our spiritual life, and that is to give away our faith. It's to have the opportunity to talk to others about Jesus. And I remind you again that the doorway to sharing your faith very often is an act of service, an act of compassion given to someone else, serving others. We grow spiritually when we serve. I have a pet peeve as a pastor. Just sharing it might get me in trouble with people, but I've shared it before, and I've been in trouble with people before. So, One of my pet peeves, and I know most pastors share this, is when someone comes to me and says, you're not feeding me. Now, I'm not saying that I don't have a responsibility as your spiritual shepherd to help you understand the things of God. I do. But my pet peeve is when the people who come to me and say that have been Christians for as long or longer than I have, which is uh, over 50 years at this point in my life, I've been a Christian, then I wonder what's wrong. Not about me. <laughs> about them. You know, you know when, when our children uh, aren't learning to feed themselves, there comes an age when we start to understand that if they can't feed themselves, it's because there's another issue. There's another problem. There's something going on. Same thing applies spiritually. If we're not growing 
If we're really not becoming that fully devoted disciple, then maybe we need to take a look in ourselves to discover how am I giving my life away? How am I giving my faith away? How am I practicing the things that, that I can do on my own for myself so that I grow in Christ? And we grow spiritually by serving. And we grow as we share our faith. And we share our faith. Philemon chapter 1 verse 6 says, I pray that, Christ, that faith... <laughs> Slow down, Jerry. <laughs> my brain's working faster than my mouth. I pray that the faith you share may make you understand every blessing we have in Christ. The faith you share makes you understand your spiritual blessing. We grow. We serve. We grow when we serve. Our faith grows when we serve. We expand our capacity to love as we serve. You remember the encounter that Jesus had on a, on a beach after his resurrection. Some of the disciples had been out fishing all night, and it was very early in the morning. And they noticed a, a bonfire with one solitary individual on the shore. They could tell he was preparing a meal. They came in from their fishing, and as they got close, they realized who it was. And they saw that it was the Savior. And after they shared the meal together, uh, Peter and Jesus kind of got off by themselves. And they had a very pointed conversation that, that I think was really a launching point in Peter's life. You know this passage from John chapter 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I think there's a connection between what Jesus was saying to Peter and Peter's love for Jesus. I think Jesus was reminding Peter that the love you have for me, Peter, is is something that needs to grow in you because it needs to overflow. It needs to be shared. It needs to be given to others. And that capacity to love grows when we serve other people. You see, I think Pastor Reichner was correct. God wants to change us. Many of you have already made this change, and this is just a reminder, but maybe some of you haven't. He wants to change us from being a consumer who come to church saying, okay, Jesus, what are you going to do for me today? Okay, preacher, what are you going to do for me today? Okay, worship leader, what are you going to do for me today? He wants to change us from that mindset of a consumer 
to a contributor. One who has the love of Christ, takes it in their heart, puts it in their life, and makes it active by serving others. Jesus said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. We are called. We're called to be people who serve. In the week ahead, you're going to have opportunities to serve. I don't know what they are. You don't either. Some might be rather significant. Some might be really small. But my prayer for you is that When the Lord touches your mind and your heart as you're walking by some opportunity to serve, that it connects, that it clicks, and that you stop, and that you serve, and that you touch another's life because of what Christ has done for you. So I don't know how to tell you what that's going to look like. But my guess is that for most everyone here this week, some point along the way in the next seven days, there's going to be some little event. Most of them will be small, seemingly insignificant, where you have an opportunity to stop and to bless someone else. It won't necessarily be something that's on your calendar, something that you've planned for. It will be the prearrangement of God, of one of those good works he prepared in advance for you to do, And I'm praying that when that moment happens, there will be Holy Spirit discernment in your heart, in your life, that will cause you to say, huh, I was created for this. And you stop. And you serve. And it might just be for 30 seconds or a minute or the length of a conversation might be for an hour, might be for an extended period of time. But I want there to be in each of us, me included, this little idea that God has permission at any time in any way to interrupt our lives because there are good works he's given us to do, things we were created for. And because of the mercy and the grace of God in us, we're not going to walk on by going to stop and we're going to serve that's my hope for you that's my hope for us as we seek to be disciples of Jesus followers of God let's stand together Lord we come before you this morning knowing that Uh, You speak and work and move in ways that sometimes we don't expect. You give us opportunities that we can't anticipate. You move in ways that could never be prearranged. Lord, today, we give you permission to interrupt our lives. (laughs) Remind us of that when you do it that we're willing participants in serving the world around us because we want to be people who serve. We understand that there are things that you're going to bring our way that you created for us to do. Help us to engage them wholeheartedly. 
Help us to be ready to pick up the opportunity. Help us to be filled with compassion and mercy and love. And when we see someone who has a need, that we'll be willing to interrupt all of the conventions of human life in order to meet that need if you've given us the burden and the capacity to do so. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray.